Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast, the show that features artists, entrepreneurs, experts, and commentators that will give you the right knowledge, planning, and guidance so you can preserve your assets and enjoy your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at wealthactually.com. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is neither investment, legal, nor tax advice and does not represent the opinions of the employers of the host or guest. And now, here's your host, Fraser Rice. Welcome back to the Wealth Actually podcast. I'm Fraser Rice. We're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm not going to have an interview with an expert or an interesting business succession story. I'm going to talk about an essay that I wrote back in 2019. It's called Funding the Pivot. It takes the audience through my thought process as I made the leap to publish my book. For anyone deep in their career thinking about making a change, we're going to talk about what I was thinking about when analyzing the prospects of success, the various risks I was facing, and giving myself the best chance of success. Funding the Pivot We live in a world where we're bombarded with advice to follow your passion and stories of people who wonder about the road not taken. In fact, more people in their prime earning years are taking steps to fulfill dreams before they reach the brass ring of retirement, a time normally associated with doing all the things you didn't have time to do. What happens when you aren't close to retirement and want to make a career switch or start up a new business? What's realistic? How should you think about the risks so that you avoid a crippling financial decision? As clients and friends have come to me with this issue, I've taken my personal experience and some financial planning concepts to put structure around what can be a high-risk and high-reward situation. The assessment and the plan. Many of us daydream about a better tomorrow, better finances, more control of time, health, and family happiness, a clear path to professional or extracurricular achievement, and establishing a legacy. These things don't come without costs and the risk of failure. Therefore, you need a plan. The first step is to assess the situation at hand and how it applies to you. Are you running from something or running to something? Do you have an idea that will change an industry or the world? Do you want to start a business and the hell that being an entrepreneur can bring? Or do you just want to enjoy the trappings of a well-oiled business machine already put in place by somebody else? For those making career decisions because of an unpleasant work environment, I'd think twice about running headlong into entrepreneurism. It's a long and lonely road. You have to really want it and be prepared for sacrifice, both personal and financial. Can the same itches be scratched while being traditionally employed? If your current situation is dissatisfying, Could the correct change be a move to a firm that is more in keeping with your goals and principles? I had a little of both in my life and used parts of the creative process, the entrepreneurial experience, and a corporate situation to move my situation ahead. My situation at my previous employer was suffocating. I enjoyed working with clients, solving problems, identifying opportunities, and being relevant to successful people. However, while enjoying success, I was not participating in equity or in the direction of the business, and I was not developing. Not an uncommon thing. My career trajectory was flattening, and the principles by which I worked were shifted by new management priorities. It was time to go, no matter what. I also had a nagging feeling that I had more to bring to my clients, my firm, the industry, and myself. I became involved in podcasting and speaking, two things that I enjoyed. And on the strength of that, and my extracurricular interest in writing screenplays and essays, I felt like I had a book in me. Change is good, right? Change brings growth. That's what everyone says. Generally speaking, that's true. But change also occurs when you're laid off or when a company closes down. To that end, change is effective when you're the architect of that change. When you're driving new circumstances, you have more control over its effects. In my case, I spent a year writing the book, finding a publisher, and getting ready to be an author. I had the collateral to be something more than I was in the job description. And that led to an important question. What does success look like? It's important for anyone making the pivot to understand what their definition of success is. 
For almost everyone, this will be an evolution. Ask yourself if you have the talent and the drive to make your new endeavor your life's work. With that in mind, I had to ask myself a couple of questions around what I was trying to do. Am I a writer? In my case, the book was originally going to be a TV pilot, filled with smart, funny stories, and I had over 200 pages of notes. I'd written a variety of blog posts that were well-received, and had a lot of other positive feedback. I thought I could make a go of it, so I went ahead. Am I an entrepreneur? I looked around and saw that my path to success, either as an author or in the world of TV, was going to be a long shot at best. I spent long hours talking to my publisher and others about what success for my quote-unquote outside endeavor was going to look like. Early on, and fortunately, I was disabused of the idea that I was going to be the next Michael Lewis, and Morgan Housel's success had yet to come. The structure of the industry made the likelihood of success remote, especially at my stage of life. Making a huge life change on the narrow definition of being a highly paid writer-media personality was going to be an enormous risk. Next question, could I turn this talent into something else? So at this point, my thinking had changed. The return on investment was going to be in the form of a major personal Everest climb and of a new career trajectory, both wider and more upwardly sloping. I changed the direction of the book from wickedly funny entertainment to an intelligent decision-making for the 1%, an area where I had significant professional experience. I could make a meaningful difference to people and their advisors who needed help. I encourage everyone looking to make the pivot to speak to others in the field and determine potential realistic results, and at the same time, write down what their success will look like. And this leads to the next question. Do you have the tools and resources to achieve your goal? In other words, do you have a pivot fund? When starting a business, finding a new job, or embarking on a new adventure, you have to find a way to land the plane back on the carrier safely. Financial and career stress can create a difficult decision-making environment and can have devastating effects on one's family and personal legacy. The first way to mitigate this risk is by taking an inventory of the tools and resources you have at your disposal. Step 1. Be confident that you have the talent to be successful. If you aren't 7 feet tall, you're probably not going to be an NBA center, no matter how good your hookshot is. Talk widely and broadly to people in the field to get an honest appraisal of your skills. Do things in your new field in bite-sized measures to make sure you enjoy the process. Find a mentor to help you learn the ropes and then a sponsor to give you the push your career will need. These may not be the same people. Join industry groups to get ingrained in the culture. And beware. One of the most common pitfalls I see occurs when people assume that success in their current field will automatically translate into a different one. Investment banking does not guarantee success in venture capital. Being successful in the public sector doesn't make it someone a great business person. And being a TV star doesn't necessarily make one a great author. Step 2. Explain what you want to do with your family and other interested people. You need to have family buy-in when you're financially responsible for them. Without their understanding, the distance between former financial stability and the current uncertainty of success could destroy your project. Real life is expensive. Mortgages, educations, healthcare, etc. You should not undertake a pivot without deep consideration of these expenses. Communication is vital in keeping your support structure behind you, and it will help your team make your pivot a bigger success. Step 3. Determine the important constituencies affected by your decision. This is directed at your employers, customers, community members, etc. To those that matter to you, their understanding is as important as you take on the stress of going through this new challenge. This process is also useful in establishing your allies as you embark on your new adventures. Step 4. Establish your anchor tenant. To go out on your own naked is scary and dangerous. In a new business, having the anchor tenant can be the difference between success and failure. 
and having established customers or a constituency interested in your success will help get your endeavor off the launch pad and bring instant credibility to your efforts. Step five, plan your time for the first year and do it in detail. A huge issue for retirees is understanding what to do with all of the new unstructured time that they have. For many, it leads to aimlessness and depression. The same applies to people making a big pivot. You will have a huge surge of energy when your new project lifts off. However, momentum is a fragile commodity. Once you settle in and become accustomed to an unstructured situation, uncertainty and procrastination can be dangerous enemies. What are you going to do the first month, the second month, the third month, the sixth month, then a year out? The more structure you have in place, the more chance you have to keep the momentum of your project going until it fuels its own success. Additionally, from my experience, however long you think it will take to get your project moving, double it. Step six, establish the pivot fund. The start of any new project has to be done in conjunction with the financial resources at hand. One should detail the assets and liabilities of one financial position in detail. What have you got? What are your family's costs? And what is necessary to make your pivot happen? As discussed, a frank conversation with your family and other important parties is vital. If there is any backward move in your family's lifestyle or breach commitments to others as a result of your initiative, those interested parties need to know up front. Otherwise, your curiosity may be interpreted as selfish. As a matter of experience, I put aside a year of living expenses and dollars related to my pivot. I would have been much happier if I'd put aside two years. Step seven, protect your assets. So far, our discussion has baked in the notion that your pivot will be wildly successful. However, what happens if it collapses? What if you get sued? What if you file your taxes incorrectly? Is it worth getting proper legal and accounting advice to make sure that you're structured properly and following the forms and functions required? This may seem obvious, but the answer is yes. And don't forget to get the opinion of insurance carriers to make sure that you're covered in the event of a catastrophe in your new project. A lawsuit could be crippling in a new initiative. So what happens if you don't make it? There's always the risk that trying something new will end in failure, and that's why they call it risk. Here are a few ideas that you should be aware of as you go forward. Number one, reputational risk. I think if you have communicated with the people that are important to you, most of the reputational risk is illusory. Fortune favors the bold, and as long as your decision is considered and your conduct is above board, very few people will hold your decision against you if you try something new. In fact, I think it adds an element of a, to a career if you're willing to invest in yourself and take a risk. Number two, career or reentry risk. This one's a bit trickier, but manageable with planning. Traditional corporations abhor change until it shines a light on something that they can capitalize on. That said, the higher up the ladder you go, the fewer positions that are available. Absence from a traditional track can be seen as disinterest or distraction by some. My suggestion is to have an in-depth understanding of your financial requirements and a heightened self-awareness of your career path, your age, and where you fit into that traditional model. Maintain the lines of communication into the traditional career ecosystem. And this is important. If the decision makers understand the context of your path ahead of any discussions, the objections should melt away. If you're able to add a modern toolkit to an industry that needs it, your value will be enhanced if you re-enter that industry. This aligns closely with the concept we talked about before, about understanding the role of career risk in the decision-making process. By prioritizing the issues that the pivot is meant to address and establishing the criteria and likelihood of success, you're better able to ascertain your financial risk. Taking a serious look at your liabilities, how you're going to fund them, and the time requirements of your new venture are vital. After taking all this into account, setting aside a buffer of cash and building a conservative financial safety net should mitigate the risk of a major pivot. 
Finally, a few parting words. American poet John Greenleaf Whittier wrote, Of all sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. In a world where we're all encouraged to live our best lives, it's not wrong to direct the sacrifice and hard work we use to accomplish our financial goals into a direction that maximizes our talents and enjoyment. That said, it isn't easy or else everyone would do it. However, a well-considered and well-funded pivot can be the key that responsibly unlocks all of our potential. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wealth Actually, hosted by Fraser Rice, author of the book Wealth Actually and a leading private wealth manager. Head on over to WealthActually.com where you can subscribe to this podcast, get your own copy of the Wealth Actually book, and connect with Fraser directly. We'll see you next time on Wealth Actually. Fraser Rice is an employee of Next Capital Management, LLC. This podcast is not investment, legal, or tax advice, nor does it reflect the opinions of Next Capital Management. Any opinions represented in the show are Fraser's individually and not an endorsement of the guests. <laughs>